Welcome to Rebels Rewind Season 2, Episode 2, the podcast powered by The Projector. I'm your host, Nick Kowalski, and I'm also joined with my co-hosts, Kellen and Jake. How's it going, guys? Good, you? Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good, yeah. So the Rebels soccer season started uh, last weekend, and uh, both clubs got off to some good starts. Yes. So the men's soccer team, both teams were playing the Assiniboine Community College Cougars, and both teams won their first game. So the men's soccer team beat the ACC Cougars 4-2. to two. However, that won't be the score in the official sheet because it is counted as a fourth win due to the ACC Cougars being ineligible for the game. However, a 4-2 win, nothing to sneeze at at all. The star of the game would be striker Eric Harder, who got his first ever hat trick in soccer. Fortunately, they will not count towards the MCAC goal count, which is... That really is a shame for him because he played fantastic in that game. Yeah. He was deadly around the net. You were there too, Kelly. Yeah, we saw the game. They played good. <clears throat> and, yeah, it sucks for him because he played unreal three goals, and to not have that count, that kind of kind well, of sucks. I would say they were very good in the first half because ha- after the first half, they were leading 4 nothing. also a goal by Min Tran in the 43rd minute to just add a little extra insurance. But in the second half, when they were going against the wind, it was a bit dicier. They only managed to get one shot on goal the entire second half. Uh, the ACC Cougars scored both their goals. And it's kind of concerning that I am a bit concerned because this is the weakest opponent they will play. Yeah. And they were also an ineligible opponent. So they will have to... I was talking with Chuck Morena, the head coach of the Rebels. He said they'd like to work on playing against the wind because that was a big factor in why they had that rough second half, was playing against the wind, and they weren't ready for that. And then also just overall fitness, getting the guys up to speed. They've only had a few practices so far. So to get the guys up to speed before they have two games this weekend against the Saturday game against the PUC Pilots, and then a Sunday match here at home against Université de Saint-Boniface. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. So they got to be ready for those two matches because those are two stronger teams than the team they faced. Um, and then the women's team also won their game. They won 3-1, to one, but they were far more in control. Honestly, I was able to watch that game. They were fantastic. The whole first half, the ACC Cougars barely got the ball on their side of the field. Uh Honestly, the goaltender for the ACC Cougars, Talicia Dowsett, she was the main reason it was even close to a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one nothing after the half on a goal by Sarah Stoffel off a field kick or a corner kick. A field kick. What is a field kick? It's nothing. <laughs> a corner kick. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't like one of those ones where it's like the ball scrambles around for a bunch and it's like, no, like it was kick f- the kick just went right to her and she just got it right in and it was fantastic. And then she's added another goal very late in the second half, as well as a goal by her teammate, the one who actually kicked the corner kick. Um, Laura Dyer. Laura Dyer. Yes. So they got offense from a few different players as well. That's good. Uh, the goal against them also came late and it was kind of, it was kind of a fluky goal. It was kind of actually was helped along by the wind a bit because the wind was still going in that game. It kind of just, Flitted off the goalkeeper's fingers, but overall, this is a very strong win for the women's soccer team. This is something they yeah. can really build off of. I know, and I know ACC Cougars, they are the weakest team. They were the weakest team last year, and they are probably the weakest team this year again. 
you can only play the opponent that's on the other side of the field, and they played them yeah. almost perfectly. Yeah, but if you want to read more about the Rebels games this past weekend, you can read Jake's game recaps on the Projectors website. So we've been talking about the Rebels soccer team. Here with me today, or with us today, is Brianne Jameson from the Rebels women's soccer team. How are you today, Brianne? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so you're coming off a big 3-1 win over the ACC Cougars. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important was it for the team to get off on that big like a big first step of big win? Um, so first game is always super important because it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the season. And especially there's only like six teams in our league, including us. So four teams make playoffs, which is just the semifinal, and two teams don't. So even just the first game alone, we're already thinking about playoffs. And that was a lot of like the pregame talk with our coach and everything. Um, he wanted us just to make sure that we're all in the right mindset and already thinking ahead and especially playing ACC typically they in the past years they have been one of the weaker teams Mm -hmm. so we knew going into the game that um in the end this had to be a win regardless we had to get that three points on the scoreboard or three points um on the leaderboard so yeah okay three points you got three goals as well and the first Mm -hmm. goal came off a corner kick that you helped set up by driving the ball down the field how important is it? So you're a defender. How important is it for you as a defender to be able to jump up into the play like that? It's pretty important because so my position is a fullback. So mm-hmm. I'm not one of the center backs. So a fullback is actually we're supposed to cover pretty much the full length of the field at all times. Okay. Like if we're attacking, we're, we're one of the attacking players. And if we're defending, we're one of the core four defenders. So, I mean, fitness level is we're obviously still working on it. We practice mm-hmm. twice a week. But for the first game, like we – at, at the two fullbacks on the field we were expected to be up uh, attacking with every single play as well so that was a good play um and I was able to force the corner so I mean we got a goal out of it so that was good okay and the team's other two goals came off scrambles in front mm-hmm. of the net is that part of you talked about getting that important like how important it was for the first win is it just because your team knew like you need these goals yeah or is that something you well you hope the team will continue to fight for those kind of goals throughout the season. Yeah, I hope that's always going to be like a mindset for everyone, especially with the level of soccer that we're playing. We have some players like the MCAC. We have some players who have a lot of experience, like myself, who have played Premier and gone to national level and stuff. Or you have some players who have really only played rec league. So it's a lot of players coming together. And so it's really important for team dynamic for like the stronger players to like encourage and almost teach while we play the weaker players. So like our scramble goals came off some of like the brand new and players who don't have as much experience. So we were really proud of them actually like that they're just putting their all into the game and they already care so much about like not mm-hmm. giving up. So yeah, everyone was super impressed and really happy with the outcome. Okay, so this is something I talked about with uh, Chuck Miranda, the coach of the men's soccer team, but he was said it was very important that he was quite happy that there was only one game for this first weekend. Like, was that important to help you guys rest up so that you can work more on that fitness level? Yeah, fitness is definitely something, but also at Red River, because we have shorter programs, it's harder for us to recruit. Whereas a team like CMU or Braddon University, they have four-year programs, so they typically have a lot of returning players and they have a lot more time to recruit. So with Red River, like, we're still recruiting right now, so anyone out there want to play? But, um, like, we only have 13 
players on our roster. We just got two more, so we have 15. But, like, ideally you want to have 16, 17, 18 players signed up on your roster so you have those subs and you have those opportunities mm-hmm. for, like, injuries and people who are absent. And absent. So, like, especially with our first weekend and, like, fatigue and fitness levels, we – I think it was actually really lucky that – for Red River, we were able to only have one game on the first weekend. Okay. And I was talking with you on Saturday about the team, and you said a big reason you're on this team is the coach, Doug Laurie, someone who's coached you in the past before. Mm-hmm. How has it important has he been for you and for your teammates, especially the ones that have only played in that like rec league level that are now in a higher level of soccer? Yeah, so Doug's coached a long time, and he has daughters who have played soccer. And he he's one of the, like the best coaches I've ever had I've had I've been lucky with coaches but um he's so encouraging and he's so supportive and he also everyone at Red River has because we're condensed courses everyone's also like academics are really important for everyone so he's super understanding like if you have to miss a practice for academic reasons he like academics comes first so like in that aspect he's just like one of the most supportive people in like our entire college career and not just the sports aspect and so yeah I think Doug Doug's a real big reason why um, the team has a lot of success okay and one last thing we're looking ahead to this weekend's schedule your team will first travel to Providence to face the Mm -hmm. PUC pilots before you have a home game here against USB what are you expecting from those two games this weekend um, so I think, so Saturday's Providence game, I think we should be able to come out with a win. Providence, um, is always, I think it'll be a really good game. Like, um, we're, they're a c- good competitor for us. Um, hopefully we'll be able to pull off that win and get some more points. Um, Sunday's USB game will be a challenging one. They're doing really well this season so far, and they have a lot of returning and really strong players too. And they won futsal last year. So they're coming off a win, of the last league so I think they're hopefully we'll be able to put up a good challenge against USB but um, we'll see how that game goes all right that was Brianne Jameson from the women's soccer team for the your rebels thank you for joining us Brianne thank you another story that was written this week was um, Nick you wrote a story on the fitness classes the school has to offer do you want to tell people a little bit about that yeah, and a big thing about this uh, story is that a lot of people or newer students, especially first-year students, they're likely not going to be aware that Red River offers free fitness programs, and there's a wide variety of them too. So I talked to Joanne Holt, who runs the block therapy course, which is this really cool. It's kind of a combination. People, She said the biggest misconception about it is that people get it confused with yoga when it's really it's yoga. It is part yoga, but it's also an exercise. And it's also like almost a full-on workout too. But the thing about it is that it's called block therapy because Holt actually brings these little cedar blocks that they have these round edges. And that's how she processes the, the, the whole course around is that every participant gets a block. And it's, it's done to relieve uh, stress on your muscles and um, kind of loosen up t- uh, tighter uh, body tissue. So... She is that, that is one of the courses that uh, it's been around for a couple of years now at Red River. And there's also um, they also have new courses available this year, which uh, one is Women and Weights, which is uh, it's run by Erica Wilkin. And it's a fitness program to introduce uh, females to working out with weights or working out with machines. Unfortunately, that program has filled up already. 
as far as the new programs that aren't filled up, there is um, Mario Mario Dinegri, the uh, fitness coordinator at Red River, is offering personal fitness assessments, which will start in January. So you can look on look out for those on the upcoming semester. But pretty much what those are is that he will uh, grade you throughout uh, a five stage workout, and he will pretty much look at your movement during all workouts and then um, give you back a report card almost about uh, what you could improve on. So yeah, the college, they want, they understand that you're going through a lot of programs. So they want to make sure that you maintain your physical health while you're trying to pursue your education. And like that cedar block one, like how long is it? Uh, The majority of them are four weeks. So it'll be once a week, the four weeks. I know the woman in weights one is on a Saturday the majority are in the early evening during the week, and there are they are at both campuses. You can go to Red River College's fitness um, page. You can just go on their website under the Rebel section. You'll see a uh, their fitness uh, class uh, page, and then there is a registration form where anyone interested can send in their um, request to join these classes that aren't full yet. So, yeah. also with the block therapy, like. What exactly do they do with the block? Like with the yoga, do you know? It's almost like, you know, those exercises are those like, um, kind of like those like hollow tubes that you kind of like relieve your muscles with. It's okay. almost the same thing where you can't, every, you're lying down the whole time. So if you can get to the ground, you can do the workout. It's, 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 an, it's an easier workout. I know if workout maybe not, might not even be the right word. It's more so a class where you're doing stretches, you're doing uh, light exercise, but you're also doing like meditation. So it's a little bit of everything, all taking place on the ground and free of cost all right so right now we're going to transition over to hockey because there's been a lot of news recently over the past four to five days regarding signings and training camps so training camps have opened up around the league teams are getting ready tonight for the your winnipeg jets is the first preseason game in edmonton uh there's only a few of the starters for example edmonton native brian little will be there neil pionk will be there nathan bullyu will be there um, apart from that, it's mostly just younger guys, which is standard for preseason. But that is hardly the biggest news in Winnipeg in terms of the Jets recently. The big news would be Josh Morrissey's new eight-year, $50 million contract. Really good contract, I think. Yeah, comes in at a $6.25 million cap hit for eight years. Like I Personally, I'd say that's a fantastic contract, yeah. or it has the potential to be, assuming he continues to elevate his game if he continues to play the way he is and get even better like that's a steal for the jets in my opinion Mm -hmm. and actually since then there have been a number of contracts a number of those rfas are getting knocked off the board so right after uh joshua morrissey ivan provorov signed for a six-year deal with a 6.75 million dollar cap hit then there was marcus peterson andrew magiapani and charlie mcavoy all knocked off the board but that's hardly the one that everyone is talking about the big contract is Mitch Marner's six-year, sixty-five-plus million-dollar contract with a cap hit of ten point eight nine three million dollars per season? Insanity. That's pretty strong word. So why do you think it's insanity? Just like he's your third highest-paid player on the team at ten point eight nine three. Like, how are you going to build a contender like that? I don't see it. Mm-hmm. So someone recently pointed out the Toronto Maple Leafs now have three of the seven highest cap hits in the league it's crazy that's just insane i don't think that's an overstatement you talked about it you brought it up how do the leafs build a contender with those three (laughs) rosters so this this year they're fine because they've got everything everything's locked down now except they have to move some players to ltir but that'll clear up the cap space they need 
How would you do it for the future if you're Kyle Dubas? Well, I don't know. I think I think where they messed up might have actually been with Nylander. Like, I honestly would have let him walk. You would have let an or, RFA or walk? Deal him. Or de- well, yeah, get rid yeah. of him. Sorry. Yeah. yeah that's but an like, interesting move. That was an interesting choice of words. There. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. But, like, I would have let him go because that's, what's he getting, like, seven mil? Around, uh, around six, there? 6.9. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and that's just crazy to me, too. And that's your, yeah. Yeah. So, that, look, should, that should have been money going towards defense, in my opinion, because. Yeah. All this money on offense. What's your defense, Morgan Riley? That's uh, you, actually you Muzzin, brought up Muzzin. you brought up their defense. Morgan Riley is the only defenseman who is signed past this coming season. Yeah, I was just gonna bring so, that up. So next year they're obviously gonna make some decisions on defense. Personally, I think you let a guy like Cody Cece walk. You yeah. let probably a guy like you let a guy like Martin Marinson walk, um, and you're probably I imagine one of. Jake Muzzin or Tyson Berry is going to walk. Probably Muzzin, in my opinion. You think Muzzin? I, but are they? I don't know. Depends how much money they each want, I mm-hmm. guess. Because like Toronto does. I don't know. They do have some other stuff. So they do have both Nathan Horton and David Clarkson's LTIR contracts are officially off the books next year. Yeah. But they do have some other people they have to resign next year. Namely, in terms of RSAs, Travis Dermott will be the big one. And then they've got some smaller depth pieces, but those guys. Won't get much more of a raise than they have if they get a raise. But do you... So if you're the GM of the Leafs now... Like, on forward, though, your core is basically locked up. That is good. Like, you don't need to... You're not wondering how long you're going to have these guys. You don't need to worry about that. But in order to sign... Basically, to sign any defenseman, something's probably going to have to give. Looking at the Leafs... uh, I'm currently on cap friendly right now. So looking at the Leafs forward signed for contracts above one million dollars that aren't like the big three there's william nylander at 6.9 there's alex kerfoot at 3.5 andres jansen at 3.4 kasperi kapanen at 3.2 would a guy like do you think a guy like andres jansen or kasperi kapanen would have to get moved probably it's looking like that or if yeah. you go back to what kellen said about nylander he's the one guy that stands out that may not be pulling his worth for what he's getting paid but mm-hmm. then that's something you know, I don't think you're going to – it's going to be hard to move that contract too, I think. But I don't mm-hmm. know. It depends well, how he plays and stuff. Yeah, something – William Neal, there's definitely – he's still only 23. There's definitely the chance that he could become worth that contract. Or even if he doesn't become quite worth it, he can still be good enough that he either raises his trade value or is still valuable to this team. It's also an interesting thing is they won't be able to – the last couple of years they've added at the trade deadline. They added Jake Muzzin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, they probably won't be able to add a big piece. They traded away their first to shed Patrick Marlowe's cap hit, which, honestly, was kind of a necessity. Like, I can't really fault them for that. They had to do what they had to do. But it kind of dissuades them from any big game hunting. But I guess for this year, I think the Leafs roster is fairly solid. You've got Frederick Anderson as a fantastic starting goaltender. Your forward core is great, even if players are overpaid. There's no denying they're great. And their defense with Tyson Berry now, like I wouldn't, say, it's not a world-beating defense, but it's a upgrade quality NHL defense. I it's feel a lot of offensive guys though. Too. Yeah, like with Barry, like is that the right ad? Guess we'll see. Depends. We'll see. Obviously, yeah, but but um, he's definitely better than the guys that were ahead of him that were on that right side last year. But do they need offense? That's they is that not that's really not, like yeah, no. Their offense stacks up with anybody. It stacks up great mm-hmm. with Tampa in the division and Boston as well. But yeah, but like, who's going to be able to stop the offense more? Those other teams probably have better defense. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. 
It'll also, I think it's also a good thing that the Leafs, they won't, like if the Leafs went into the season with the Marner, un, with Marner unsigned, that distraction every day, yeah. getting asked about Marner, like it would wear on people. So I think from that aspect too, it's good, to, it's done. And honestly, I think for, we can look at the cap hit a bit more down the road, like when it, maybe next year when those defensemen all need to be re-signed. For now, it's it's done. The Leafs can focus on hockey. A few teams can't focus entirely on hockey yet because we are currently still have 11 unsigned RFAs. Biggest names out there would be Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney from the Jets, Matthew Kachuk from the Flames, Brock Besser from the Canucks, and a surprising one to me, Braden Point from mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they're offering it. I was reading they were like offering him like pretty low too. Mm-hmm. It could just be a negotiation tactic, or perhaps that was an offer for a bridge deal, but still. Very far apart. That could be interesting. He had 41 goals, 51 assists, 92 points last year in 79 games. Like, that's fantastic. He is second on the list in points per game, only behind actually another big name that I actually missed when I was scanning the list, Miko Rantanen from the Avalanche. Yeah, I was going to bring him Mm -hmm. up too. And then there's a few smaller guys there, Sacramento Linen from the Canes. Uh, Travis Konechny, well, he's not so much smaller, but Travis Konechny from the Flyers, Anthony D'Angelo from the Rangers. An interesting one to me, though, is Julius Honka from the Dallas Stars because he has demanded a trade. Yeah. Like with every with every other person on this list, we're just under we just have the understanding of it's money or it's term. There's something the team they don't agree on, but it's an understanding that he'll they'll be with the team next year. With Julius Honka, it doesn't sound like he'll be with the team no, even through training camp. Where do you think he ends up? I don't know. He was a first-round pick mm-hmm. in the 2014 draft, and he's since played 87 games and 13 points. So he doesn't put up great numbers for a first-round pick. Keep, yeah. I keep seeing like posts about like the Jets going for him, too. Well, apparently the cost is relatively low. It's been rumored that he could be gotten for something as low as a fourth-round pick. So... If, it, if he is a buy low candidate, that could be good. However, you're also, you'd be getting another RFA and you don't know how much he would want. Like, you might want to raise, you might want to prove a deal. So, and especially when you're a team, if you're a team like the Jets, that could be very hard when you've got Line A and Connor to still resign. So, you don't know, you don't really know how much cap space you have to work with, if any. When you're looking at this list, though, which RFA in, intrigues you the most? What do you mean by that? Like, like, which one that they're not signed? Yeah, Line is the most intriguing one for me personally. I probably agree, just because the situation he has, where it's it's the ultimate, mm-hmm. like to like just flip a coin about you never know what he's gonna do, right? No, mm-hmm. and you hear stories from both angles, like everyone's like, oh, he's gonna get traded, but I don't know. Uh, well, part of that is just off season speculation, no, I know. like. Three days ago when Marner was unsigned, there was speculation that he would get moved and stuff. The offer sheet stuff with Marner. That was interesting. And it makes me think that maybe other players have had offer sheets that they've just rejected because they want to stay in their cities. For me, an interesting one is actually brought him up earlier, Miko Rantanen, because he was a very, very big. He was one of the big three on their offense that went to the second round. There's all this hype around the avalanche, all this positive like everything's feeling good. It feels like this is the time for the Avalanche to really cement themselves as the top team in this brutal central division. But they're missing one of their stars. So it's for me, that's very interesting as to why he's still not on that roster. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Move to some NFL stuff. Oh, yes. We're, what, two, almost 
two complete weeks in. Well, by the time this drops, it'll be two. Yeah, weeks like in, yeah. we're mm-hmm. recording here on Monday. There's a game tonight, but yeah, basically Browns two and weeks. Jets. Two weeks in, lots Very of storylines already. Very quickly, I think it's all the same. Browns or Jets? Browns. Jets. Oh. Jets. Actually, I'm in a I'm in a pool. I'm in a pool, and if I'm I'm like. Anyways, the end of the end of the story is that if the Jets win tonight, I win the week for the pool. So I I, I actually switched, <laughs> I had the Browns and I switched my pick to the Jets. So All right, I'm, that's I'm, an interesting yeah. interesting bet. All right, so um, I don't know. We can start with. Does anyone like everyone? You want to say what your biggest surprise team, like good or bad, is, or both? Any team you're surprised that started off good, started off bad? I was super disappointed with Carolina. I thought I thought they were gonna handily beat Tampa Bay on Thursday, and <sighs> Cam Newton. Man, he that, was he was inaccurate. Period. That, that was pl- it. and that play on the fourth and one, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they need one, when you've got they need like an inch. When you've got Cam Newton, who's a great running quarterback, and you look at a guy like Tom Brady, who mm-hmm. constantly, if they need that inch, he'll just literally leap over the pile and yeah, usually score. But when you got a six six quarterback with like Newton, mm-hmm. yeah, and they they ran as fr- as far away from they ran as far as they could without mm-hmm. going up before going upfield, and it didn't work out. So. Yeah. That's my disappointment, though. That's your disappointment. My, I don't have a disappointment. I have a team that I am, I'm not shocked. Okay, they've played two very weak teams so far, but the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. have been very good. They've got 31, they won a 31 to 17 over the Buccaneers, and then they won 41 to 17 over the Cleveland or Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I know those aren't great, those aren't world beating teams, but you can only play, as I've said earlier, you can only play who's in front of you, and they played both games really well like mm-hmm. it's still they have the Steelers mm-hmm. this week too who are oh. struggling so yeah we'll get to that don't worry and then they have the Browns after that mm-hmm. so we're really not going to know yeah. much yeah. about the Niners until I'd say week five they're in LA to play the Rams hey, yeah, hey, don't big, count out the Steelers big against the Niners, though. Uh, Mason Rudolph well, let's go when you score 30 points 30 points in any NFL game is a you have a very good chance of winning that game yeah yeah against mm-hmm. weaker opponents yeah, and who's your big surprise or disappointment? Is it the Steelers? I uh, I don't know. Like I'm never really surprised when they lose because I don't know. They, I I don't know. I'm like my biggest surprise isn't necessarily a team. It's been like how well Lamar Jackson has been playing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just came into the season being like ah one season like he can't throw. Clearly he can. Well, so. he got as much he got as much of a gimme game as you could in your first week of the season against the Dolphins but still played a Cardinals team that was coming off of impressive comeback tie with the Detroit Lions and you played them pretty well yeah, like 23 he, points he hasn't played any like amazing teams but just like just mm-hmm. in general I don't know he's well, he been went, unreal yeah, for me he went on Sunday he went 24 for 37 272 yards two touchdowns no interceptions like that's a that's a solid game yeah and then also for me like I knew the Dolphins were going to be bad but the scores that they're giving up right now, I did not expect them to yeah. be that They bad. currently are getting outscored. I believe it's... What's 43 plus 59? 43 plus 59. It's 102. They're getting outscored 102 to 10. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> like, And they have they have Dallas this upcoming week, too. Oh, and Dallas. And apparent, Dak's been going mm-hmm. off, too. Yeah, the Cowboys are 20-point favorites yeah. right now. And we, we've heard... Uh, like, I know we've heard... Um, We've heard reports that multiple players want out of Miami too. Minka Fitzpatrick's a big name. I know it's very early, but is there a chance that Dolphins could go zero and sixteen with the way? Oh, absolutely! I think. I have to look at their schedule before. Like, I guess they're Mm -hmm. always in their division. The Bills and Jets. Like, it. I don't know. The Bills are the Bills are two and zero, but like they played 
they played the Jets and yeah. the Giants. So I don't know. I feel like those two teams can come out and put up a horrible game, right? Like yeah. it just depends what teams might. I don't know what. Yeah. The Dolphins play the Giants too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and the Giants have not looked great either. And Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh. Let's talk about Pittsburgh, Kevin. Why? So the biggest news out of Pittsburgh right now is Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben, is out for the season. And I'm not going to be getting elbow surgery. I'm not too upset about it. No. Why no, not? Because he's been garbage this season. And in honestly, all... Mason Rudolph looked better in his two quarters than Ben has all season. The offense barely got first downs with Ben this year, mm-hmm. and then Rudolph came in and was able to get it moving. Mm-hmm. So to, I'm not saying that Rudolph's better than Ben by any means. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. the offense needed a change, a spark or something. I don't know. I'm just trying not to be negative. Well, they only lost by two to the Seahawks, which was, well, it wasn't the result they hoped for. It was much, you can much better game than week one. You can build off that. Yeah, stupid so penalties. Mm-hmm. Stupid Let's penalties. talk about Mason Rudolph. So last season, under Big Ben's rule, yeah. the Steelers missed the playoffs. This year, under Big Ben's rule, they've been atrocious. Now under <laughs> Mason Rudolph, they've been pretty good. If Mason Rudolph... Because Mason Rudolph will likely be playing the full oh, season yeah. now. Oh, yeah. If he can guide them to a playoff spot, does that end Big Ben's rule in Pittsburgh? I'm going to say no, but as a Steeler fan, I would hope so. <laughs> but I'm going to go with no. Because like if if Rudolph was to take this team to the playoffs, like it just shows me that maybe he's ready, right? Mm-hmm. But I just don't see them doing that. I don't see them moving on from Ben until the contract's up, unless he's just unless he retired, which mm-hmm. is always a possibility with him, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think so. But honestly, with the schedule the Steelers have, and like it gets gets weaker as the season goes on, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the question for Rudolph to lead them to a playoff spot. But I week also won't be surprised if they don't. Yeah, week three they play the 49ers, who could be good, but we're not entirely sure. And then week yeah. week four, their week four is probably their best chance for a win in Bengals. the next few games against the Bengals. Yeah, on Monday Night Football, so, like. Mm. But then we have like know, the though. Bills, the Jets this year, I Dolphins. Get, like looking at the roster now, though, of the Steelers, I kind of get almost a transition year vibe from them. Like it's James Conner's second year, and he's hurt tra- too. Yeah, you're transitioning Juju Smith-Schuster into the lead role after Antonio Brown finally left. You're. Getting and now you're gonna have a new quarterback who's starting for yeah. the first time in his career. Regardless, for me, I think even if they don't make the playoffs, it's a good year for the experience of the young guys on the team. Because mm-hmm. like I think defense, well, defense was awful first two weeks, but mm-hmm. like they were good in the first half, and I think they have the players yeah. to be good on defense. And I don't know. I hear they might be trading for Minka Fitzpatrick too, so we'll see. Yeah, well, everyone apparently everyone from the Dolphins is available, so yeah. why not go for it? <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'm okay with the Steelers giving up a first pick for someone like Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick because whenever we draft a cornerback in the first round, they're awful, like Artie Burns. So I'd rather take the pretty sure thing in Minka, who's only 22, I think. So you're talking about the Dolphins. You know who got his first touchdown of the season against the Dolphins on Sunday? Antonio Brown. Oh, my God. How is Antonio Brown doing for you, Kellen? Uh, I don't know. I, well, I don't – never mind. Um he he played good. The off like he went to an offense mm-hmm. that didn't even need him. Like no, it's just another weapon for Brady. Like they're, I don't know. Once again, we're also if he's gonna be common any franchise, mm-hmm. that's where it's gonna be. That's where it's gonna mm-hmm. work. If it's but, gonna work anywhere, it'll be with Belichick. And the Patriots have looked good in their two games. I know they haven't. No offense, they haven't <laughs> been playing the strongest teams, but they absolutely to only give up three points through two games just a field goal. Like that's amazing. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, their defense is 
Even though they played two yeah. meh offenses, but like mm-hmm. their points, defense so. has been playing. Well, still, they got 30 points and then 43 points. Well, yeah, too. Their, off- their offense was never a question for me, but like mm-hmm. they're even more proficient. Is that a word? Proficient? Yeah. yeah. Than I thought they were going to be. So are we going to be in our 80s wondering when the Patriots are finally going to die? Belichick <laughs> and Brady still out there. Honestly, if there was any team to do it, it would be this one because they have been something else over the past basically all our all our lives i'm over it you're over it yeah i respect it though right so actually i guess what game are you planning on watching this weekend for week three well steelers niners because my dad's a niner fan but hmm. um i don't know i didn't really look at oh the, uh ravens and um ravens patriots i think is this week no it's ravens chiefs that's what i was trying to think sorry yeah. ravens chiefs that's a game that i'll keep my eye out on too because i think that's a real test for lamar, baltimore for lamar jackson especially just baltimore in general mm-hmm. too just being able to hang with a high-powered offense like yeah. that right the patriots are playing the jets that's not so much watch must no, watch football no <laughs> probably gonna be another whatever for um, me i don't know a game i might watch would be Hmm. I don't know. Like a lot of the games this week are either it's like strong team versus weak team or weak and weak. A game I might actually looking at it now, a game I might watch depending on depending on how tonight's game between the Jets and the Browns go, I might watch the Sunday night game of Rams versus Browns. Yeah. Because okay, so we see I kind of had a feeling that the Ram that the Browns would lose their first game. I didn't think they'd lose it like that because I thought the hype would get to them a bit. Usually, and usually when a team gets overhyped in the NFL, yeah, usually like it translates badly onto them. I think they're going to win against the Jets tonight, as I've said. But that'll be the real test to see if they're actually wor- if they're actually worthy of the hype of the offseason if they're in that upper Super Bowl contending group of teams. I hope not. No. Who do you want? Well, if it's not going to be the Steelers, who do you want from that division to go? Actually, then I guess Cleveland, but I'd rather only have to compete with the Ravens. So, because mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm making the wild card, I don't think all three of us are. So, no, you don't think. Who do you think is that other wild card team? Probably the Chargers. Although the Chargers lost to the Detroit Lions, yeah. Um, Colts and Houston. Colts. Houston. I was gonna say I don't know Colts or Titans. Wait, Colts and Houston. Titan, then who then who wins Titans. the division? Well, well Houston's going to – I think Houston will win the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. But speaking of the Colts, do you want to talk about Vinatieri a bit? Yeah, apparently – so it's 12.44 p.m. on Monday, and apparently Vinatieri is at the Colts facility right now. So uh, Jim Mersey, their president, has said that he is like – or they're they're backing him. So it's really up to Vinatieri right now if whether he's going to retire or not, which is mm-hmm. speculated yeah. to be happening well, on Monday. I remember I saw – I, I think I saw a tweet and someone was like, oh, I ran into Vinatieri, and he was like, see you tomorrow. Yeah. And he was like, well, we're not scheduled to talk yeah, tomorrow. No He's practice. like, see you tomorrow. So to me, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's, going, there now, in that dire- yeah. it's going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad to see. But yeah. Four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, like, as a kicker. He's probably the best in history. It's tough to watch, too, because, like, I mm-hmm. love the guy. Like you can't hate them. They weren't even close too. One at the one at the post, but yeah. one was one extra point was wasn't even close. Went right into yeah. the stands. I yeah. thought he was gonna be kicking till he's like sixty. <laughs> like he's been unreal. Well, yeah, and we'll I guess see what happens. And I well, guess oh. if he if he backs out now, no one's gonna remember these last two games he's played. They'll remember the two no, yeah, they'll remember 100%. the two game winning kicks he had in the Super Bowls. They'll remember the 
44 straight field goals he made. They'll remember the fact that he had the most career points of anyone in NFL history. Adam, like, no one's going to doubt Adam Vinatieri's career. No. And just last last thing to touch on for the NFL is we talked about Ben getting hurt, but Drew Brees out mm-hmm. for six weeks as well. Yeah. How does that da- like? How does that hinder the Saints' chances of winning that division now? And they got roughed up on in week two. They got absolutely like they squeak out a victory against the Texans. I th- and then yeah. they get run over by the Rams. I think that their division. I don't think their division's that strong. Like, I think that mm. they can still hang in there and still mm-hmm. win the division. Yeah. Atlanta's, well, like, their run game's been awful. Devontae yeah. Freeman's been horrible. They got a, they got a must. They, honestly, I know it's only two weeks in, but they got a, for me, a must-win game against the Eagles. And then... Yeah. Well, f- for me, the thing with mm-hmm. the Saints, like, Breeze going down, I think this opens the door. If Cam Newton them can actually play how I yeah. think they can, it opens the door for their season not so, to be over. But besides that, I don't know. Who do you think wins that division then? I honestly think... I think the Saints stick and stick. I agree. I think they stick at top, like Tyson Hill or whatever his name is. Yeah, Tyson Hill. It'd be Teddy Bridgewater, no? Oh yeah, that's Teddy a, Bridgewater. Man, yeah. yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he'll at least be able to get them at least half of the wins that they need, and then Breeze can come back and they can start rolling. And I don't think that division's as strong as it used to be, right? So once again, I disagree with you because you mentioned how weak the division is. I think the Atlanta Falcons will claim the division title. I think that Matt Ryan has more to show us this season than he has. I think that they have a sneakily all right defense. I think that they can build off a win over a very strong Eagles team. And right now, you're looking at every other team in that division. Carolina is 0 2. The Buccaneers are, let's be honest, the Buccaneers are at a point where it's a belie- we'll believe it when we see it yeah. from you guys. And Saints are going to be missing Drew Brees for six weeks. If there is a chance for the Falcons to claim this, it's over the next six weeks. Yeah. But yeah, I think that just about covers everything we have today. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Rebels Rewind. Bye. See ya. Bye.